series on stewardship and giving in the annex tonight, and we begin a study of personal evangelism tonight. So a 13-week course, or uh, depending on how many times we get to meet as we think about that topic, I hope you're a note taker. I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to have a Bible with you. But as we, before we do that, though, let's go to God in prayer. Would you bow with me? Our Heavenly Father, thank you so very much for allowing us the privilege of being alive this day, for being so very blessed this day. Thank you, Father, for being our Father, for, for providing us with a Savior. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your grace. We especially ask your mercy and your blessings and your care upon Linus Nowell and those who are seeing to his needs and his health in this very moment. You know those needs better than we. And Father, we pray that you would be with those and be with his family and especially with him in accordance to your will and your knowledge. As we study your truth tonight, may we understand the value of a soul and your love for every soul. Help us to study with an open Bible and an open heart and willing minds. In Jesus' name we humbly pray. Amen. Okay, as we begin tonight, is that too loud? Do I need to move that mic? Are we good? Okay, as we begin this tonight, uh, this is essentially a course on personal evangelism. Now, we have had, I remember not too awfully long ago, Brother Aaron Foster taught some things from the book of Acts regarding personal evangelism and teaching other people about the saving gospel. We have had countless opportunities over the course of years in our Bible classes to study personal evangelism. So, you could, I guess you could easily say, well, we, we know about that. We've studied that. We don't need to study it again. First of all, there's never too many times you can study something from the Bible. But as we think about this particular subject, this topic, I want this... I want this series, this course, uh, to be, number one, biblical. First and foremost, everything we do is coming straight from the Word of God. Every application we make is Bible-based. Every principle we talk about is from the Word of God. But I also want it to be spiritual more than academic. Yes, it's going to be academic in that we are studying some things we pull from the Bible and we talk about what does it mean and how does it apply. But sometimes if we're not careful... And I'm talking to my, every time I say such a thing, I'm talking to myself. If we're not careful, we study a Bible topic, especially, at least for me, a topic like evangelism or personal evangelism. And we study it academically. That is, we, we, under, we get every passage, we get every print, we write it all down and we understand it and we agree with it. But we never go that extra step to connect to what it actually looks like for me, to me. And so I want this to be a uh, spiritual study in that I think about how does this topic affect my soul? It has to apply to my soul. It has to affect my soul before it's ever going to do any good for anybody else's soul. 
But most of all, my prayer is and my aim is, and I say my aim because if we go all 13 times, we have 13 lessons. You know how many lessons have been written? It won. Uh, I'm doing this lesson at a time. And I wanted to do it that way because I may change my mind about some things as we move into this. I want this to be very practical. I want it to be very, very, very practical as in you can say, hey, that works for me. You know, it's very easy to talk about what doesn't work for me or what is a challenge for me. I think we make a terrible mistake in the Lord's church, at least me personally, and we, we try to force upon people things that are hard for them to do. Oh, I'm not talking about truth. Truth is truth and no compromise there. I'm talking about applications of serving God through that truth. There are things. Read Matthew 25. Were there different talents for different individuals? Sure there were. That means there's different things that I can do better than others, and that means there's different ways that I serve God through the truth, and there's nothing wrong with that understanding. It is very true when it comes to this topic, personal evangelism. I want this to be very practical. Now, I don't know if any of you have a job uh, where you have to go to, uh, I don't know what they call them, CEUs, uh, professional development, whatever they call any I see some heads nodding. Now, those of you who just nodded your head, have you ever been to one of those? I can remember going to some of those, and I couldn't stand going to those and hearing those dreaded words. You know, we sit there for hours. And then someone says, now you high school people, I keep, it's all about, this is all elementary stuff. And then I hear those words, you, you high school people just have to adapt. Basically, none of this applies to you, but thanks for coming. Have a good day. Now, have you ever been to something like that? It's really, really good stuff. It's really not going to help me in one little bit. But it looks good. I want this to not just be, that's a really good lesson. That's a great thought. That's all true. I hope somebody does well with it. But I want you to go away from these studies with, hey, I can do that. This is something that connects to me in a, in a way that makes me want to try to do this. So that's going to be our goal, at least from the practical sense. And speaking of being practical, this particular lesson, this, this particular uh, part one is an introduction. And we're going to do this very, very simplistically. A study of personal evangelism. And you may think I'm being silly, but I promise you that's not my intention at least. But first of all, a study. I want us, I underline the word study, I want us to just think about the word study. And I promise I'm not trying to be cute or, or take up time or space. What does it mean to study something? Not a trick question. This is the moment in the program where the audience responds to the speaker. Well, okay. Rolling up your sleeves and digging in. Now, Hold that thought just for a second, and let's back away from 
the Bible aspect of this. That's right, and that applies to everything, and we're going to come right back to that. In fact, that's going to be a, a perfect segue into the last question. But just a study in general, if, if there's a study done on whatever, if you study something, what does that mean? You examine it. Learn as much about it as you can. You examine it from every angle. How interesting. Okay. You've got to take the time to do it. You've got to take the time to do it. Okay. Now, I learned, okay, I'm about to, I learned something about myself this summer, this, well, starting last summer. Um, I've told you all about my, um, my midlife crisis, right? I had a midlife crisis. I'll be 56 my birthday. I'm uh, 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 married to my best friend, so a, a woman wasn't even, not within the consideration. And I am way too old and too broke for a red car. So the only other option was go back to graduate school at 55, they said. It'll be fun, they said. Whew. I went in the first three weeks. And have you ever seen Rocky, the Rocky movie where he fights Mr. T? You know how that first match went? You know, I went in, I got this, I've been doing this for a long time, man, I do this with my eyes closed. My eyes were closed, all right, after I hit the ground about twice. And I, th I told Lisa, I'm not going to, this is, well, we've wasted a lot of money. But I had like two courses, Lord willing, and then I'll be finished. Uh, I've learned a lot about myself. I realized, because I did, I know exactly, I, I fuss at students, but that first course I got, okay, how can I do, how can I take the shortest route and how can I uh, not, not do the work and get the things on paper so I can get the grade? And I thought, what did you just say? Because that's a natural, if we're not careful, that's a natural. And if we, and of course, I had to talk myself down off of that ledge because that wasn't going to work. Just like it doesn't work for any student anywhere. What about a Bible student? If we're not careful, sometimes we do that. We skim the top and, and we get... Some really good truth, but it's, it's not very deep because we haven't dug very deep. So when I study something, I break it apart and I really see what's there. Well, think about this question. Why do we study something? Why would a, why would a government agency launch a million-dollar, ten-year uh, study of the effects of... What's the purpose of that? To find out what it's about, to find out everything there is to know about it. Well, what should be the practical outcome of any study we undertake? Okay, think about that one a minute. Figure out how to apply what you've learned and then to actually apply it. Do you think there have ever been any of those million-dollar, ten-year studies that were done that got put on a shelf and never actually did anything? Some of them have. In fact, I'm pretty sure there was, there's been at least two studies done and money appropriated in the course of the last 75 years to four lane 25 uh, in North Mississippi. It's still two lane. You know, all, all of those studies were done, but where'd they go? Just on a shelf. So the point of a study is what? You think, is he talking about the Bible still? The point of a study is for me to learn everything there is to learn and how it applies to me and then to actually put that into application. So back to what 
Sister Anita just said, why should we study the topic of personal evangelism? Now, please don't say to know what the Bible says about it, because that's, that's a given. That answer is already out there. Okay, to actually... What do you mean by that? That's an, to... application to actually do the evangelizing the word we includes me so to learn how I can what can I do when can I do it how can I do it so that it works for me so that I can in other words the whole point of this is for me to find something I I don't want you now some of you may not ever come back to this class I hope that's not true but my goal is for you to, to get from this class that you say, you know, I can list a dozen things that I don't think would work very well for me, but I have pinpointed that, that thing that will work for me. And we're going to dig far and wide and deep before we get through with this study on that very topic. And so what I want us to do now is I want us to move a study of personal evangelism. We're not even going to get to the word personal tonight. We're going to dig into that word with three verses. What is evangelism? Now, I asked some colleagues of mine, what is personal evangelism? I got some interesting thoughts. You know, I found that a lot of people really have never thought about that. Uh, one individual talked about it is letting people see Christ in you, the way you live, and that influences them. Okay, that's not a bad answer. Another suggested it is how you share Jesus with someone else. That's not a bad answer. How would you answer it? What is evangelism? How would you answer that question? Trying to teach someone the gospel. That's a good answer. Anybody else got a thought on that? What's evangelism? And you might say, well, that sums it up. And it does. But yet, what I hope I want, what I want you to do is, is that a right answer? Yes. But I want you to think about that answer, trying to teach someone else. Now, we're staying strictly within the Word of God. But I want us to do just what you said a moment ago, Sister Anita, is dig deeper. That answer, trying to teach someone the Word of God, I want you to think of that as an onion. There are many different layers to that answer and applications to that answer. And I want to show you that from just from Scripture tonight. First of all, uh, well, first of all, sorry, I got ahead of myself. Uh, Dictionary.com says that evangelism is the preaching uh, or, or the promulgation of the gospel. There's, don't you love that big word? Promulgation is simply the formal um, uh, giving uh, of a law or... So according to dictionary.com, the, the formal uh, proclaiming of the gospel, that's evangelizing. Um, Merriam-Webster says the winning or revival of personal commitments to Christ. Well, that's, I want you to see how the world sees that word. Cambridge Dictionary says the activity of persuading people to become Christians, often by traveling around and telling people about your beliefs. That's probably the most accurate one I've seen so far. But may I suggest to you that those answers don't even scratch the surface when we really think about what the scriptures say. And I want us to look at three verses. What does the Bible 
How does the Bible help us answer that question? What is evangelism? First, turn with me to Mark 16, 15. I know, Luther, you can quote it. Let everybody get there first. <laughs> I can too. Uh, I want us to... Mark 16, 15, when you get over there, of course, Mark 16, 16 says that whosoever believes, believes and is baptized shall be saved. And he who believes not shall be condemned. But when you think about... It says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. You know, I was just kidding. I didn't make you mad. Uh, (laughs) Preach the gospel to every creature. Okay, that word preach is, that Greek word is the word uh, caruso. um, And it means uh, to preach or to herald or to proclaim or to publish or announce religious truth. Okay, that like a preacher, like someone, a Bible class teacher, preaching or proclaiming in, in a public way what is the truth. Okay, now, raise your hand if the thoughts of standing up in front of a large group of people and discussing the, the, and giving a Bible lesson makes your legs weak. Like a, like a John Deere truck. Okay, I get it. And there's nothing wrong with that. Now, if that were the only verse, we might have a problem. But that's obvious. Go proclaim the truth. But I want you to look. What I'm trying to get you to see is that God understands our differences. God understands the needs of, of His people to do His will and those who need to receive His truth. So there's one verse But I want us to look at Acts 8 and verse 4. Acts 8 and verse 4. Go ahead. I heard you go, when what? Go do it. When everywhere what? Preaching the gospel. Now what's interesting is the word preach in Mark 16, 15 is a Greek word that means to proclaim in a public way, to proclaim a a religious truth, a a spiritual truth. This word preaching is a totally different word. In, in fact, it is the word, and I'm going to mispronounce it, I know I am. Euangelizo. It's the word where we get evangelist and evangelism. It, it's the, uh, we spell out the English letters with the Greek. But you say, I'm not trying to impress you there with Greek, but that particular word, you know what it means? It means bringing the good news. Or proclaiming good news, bringing good news, proclaiming the good news of the gospel. Now, okay, listen to this. That's we didn't. That's not a man-made addition there. That's not a just an inferred idea. That Greek word. So think for a second. Why would God, through the Holy Spirit, choose that word? They went everywhere preaching. He didn't use the word that they went everywhere publicly proclaiming the truth. Wouldn't have been anything wrong with that. Paul did that. A lot of people did that. But this word says that the, every, those who were scattered, every Christian, went and pro, uh, um, sharing the good news of the gospel. That word has embedded in its meaning the understanding of that what you're sharing is good news. You, do you understand that? That that Greek word doesn't just mean sharing the gospel. It means... Not literally, in the word, sharing the good news of the gospel. It's embedded in the word. Now, if you share good news, is there something inherently understood about that? 
Is there something going to be inherent about how you share good news? Good news creates what in you as the sharer? If it's good news, how do you share it? Excitement. Now, uh, I wish Ken was in here, but he's uh, teaching. But he's been, I laugh at him because he's like I was when I found out we were having our first grandchild. Okay? Almost to the point of giddiness. But I want you to imagine, I found out I was, we were having grandchildren, and I, I, the first one, oh, I was excited. Well, but what if I kind of approached it like this, JT? That I, the first time I got up and shared with the congregation in Jefferson City that I was about to have a, a grandchild, I was a little like Eeyore. You know who Eeyore is, right? From Winnie the Pooh. Oh, me. Got a call today. Going to have a grandchild. I'm so excited. Now, you're laughing because the words I just said are supposed to be good, good news, but you couldn't tell it by the way I told it. Do y'all get that? That this word, they went everywhere sharing the good news, wasn't just the fact that they were carrying a message. Hey, this is the gospel. Take it or leave it. Here's, here's, the, here's some tracks. Here's some... They were literally carrying something that they were excited about because it had brought them out of bondage. They believed in it. They believed in it to the point they were giddy about sharing it with others. They were excited about it. So when you think about evangelism, think about, yes, there is a place for proclamation, disseminating or giving the information of truth. Absolutely. But there's also a time when we are so full of the joy of the gospel that it just, we've got to share it. Now, I'm not, okay, time out. I'm not about to stand up here, and I promise, I'm not going to stand up here and take my Bible and, and metaphorically beat you over the head with it. Shame on you, shame on you, shame on you for not being excited about the gospel. Because guess what? That's between you and your father. That's between you and your Savior. That's a question I have to answer. That, that's, a, 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 that's something I have to take care of in here. And that's the same for everybody else. That word, though, as we think about that, that's how we approach evangelism. That's what it is. But there's a third word that makes it even more powerful, I think. I mean, it's, it's, to me, this is awesome. Uh, look at Matthew 28 and verse 19. I mean, it is so... To me, this is so cool, and I can't help but being excited about it because this word, and I don't know if I'm even going to try to pronounce this one. Um, Matateo, I think. And it doesn't matter, but if you read in the King James, if you've got a, King, a new King James or a, an English Standard Version, you're going to see the words make disciples. And you might read that and think, you know, the, the King James must have missed it because it says... Go and teach, go into all the world and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then I read my New King James, and it says, go into all the world and make disciples. You think, wow, they must have mistranslated. They didn't. They didn't mistranslate it. The New King James gives you a deeper rendering of the word. And if you understand what the word teach means, then you're good to go. But 
when you do understand it, it gives you a definition of evangelism that will change the way you think. It will change you spiritually. Okay, this word that's in Matthew 28, 19, teach or make disciples, I want you to, I may have to read a little bit of this. It means to instruct for the specific purpose of making a disciple, not just to instruct to give information. So just let that sink in for a minute. It simply means to learn without any... Okay, it must be distinguished from a verb, mateo. There's another verb that's similar to this one that, simp- that means to, uh, to learn without any attachment to the teacher. Simply to be taught something and take it in. That's that Greek word. This particular Greek word means to learn for the express purpose of becoming a disciple. And you say, well, okay, what's the difference? Okay. One word, there's no attachment. You just take it or leave it. You learn and you go on your merry way. But this particular Greek word, the one that says making disciples, it not only means to be taught and learn, but it means to be taught and learn and become attached to one's teacher and become attached, become his follower in doctrine and life. Okay, so let me let that sink in a minute. This word in Matthew 28, 19 that says, go in all the world and make disciples or teach. That word has the idea is that you're teaching someone for the purpose of them becoming attached to your teacher, not you. We have to be careful there. Becoming attached to your master, Christ. And that's going to come in to play later when we have a lesson. And I'm going to urge you that your goal in a Bible study, I try to make it my goal if I have an opportunity to study with someone, your goal is to get out from in front of your Bible as soon as possible. And you're thinking, what? The idea is, as soon as you can, you let that Bible study become about that person and God. And you're just showing them what God says. You're not teaching them anymore. You're... you connecting with God. Because sometimes people will hear what we say and they, they like what we say. And they come closer to God because they like us. But it's not about me. My goal is to get that person and God face to face. And then they have to decide. And on one occasion I had an individual. I will go to my grave, I, I guess, remembering this conversation. I can't remember where I put my keys some days, Luther. But I can remember this conversation. Well over 30 years ago, an individual read 2 Timothy, no, 2 Peter 3.21. Baptism does also now save us, not to putting away the filth of the flesh. And that person read that out loud and then looked at and said these words. I don't care what that says. I've always, and then stopped in mid-sentence and realized what they just said. I don't care what the Bible says is what she actually said and just stopped. You could see the wheels turning, and then she closed the Bible and said, we won't study anymore. And that was the last time we ever had a conversation about the Bible, um, because she refused. But ultimately, it's got to be about that person in truth and God. 
And, but that's what this verse means. You go out there and you make disciples of them by teaching them who God is so that they want to become a disciple of His Son. They want to connect themselves to Christ because they learn who He is. Okay, now think about that just for a minute. I want you to think about, and feel free to, to speak up. What does it take? What on a, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much effort, I guess is the word I'm looking for, do you think it would take to teach someone the Word of God in such a way that they can't wait to become a disciple of Christ? That they want to connect themselves to the teacher who's made such a difference in your life. Now, have there been people that have been taught the very first time they heard the truth and obeyed the gospel? Absolutely. Of course. But there have also been people that it took 40 years. You know, and sometimes we get discouraged about that. We think, he's never going to obey the gospel, that old heathen. Shame on us. But we've thought it, haven't we? But we forget to think that, it, that God, how long did it take God to get Moses ready? How many? Forty years. Wow, Moses was a, a, a slow case, wasn't he? No. God was preparing what he needed to prepare. But didn't it need to be faster? According to your timetable, but not God's. So we have to, sometimes we have to just stop and think about that just a little bit. That word, go into all the world and teach other people in such a way that they want to become a disciple of Christ. I want to come, let, let that marinate a minute. I want to come back to it. Verse, here's what's so cool. If you're reading in the King James, verse 20, the next verse says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. There's that English word teaching again, but guess what? It's a totally different word from any we've looked at so far. Totally different word. It's the word uh, didasco, which literally means to teach or instruct by word of mouth. Now, it's kind of interesting that he says that. To teach... Or instruct by the word of mouth. Okay, so who are the them in verse 20? Who are the them in verse 20? Not the people in the world. Us, those who've been baptized, those who have become disciples. So there's continually teaching, different word. There's instruction. There's constant encouragement, constant instruction that builds on that. That's a different story. Though, go ahead. That's growth. But those who have not... Go ahead, who was about to say something? Edify, yes. Now, that's a different kind of teaching. A different kind of... But when I'm out there talking to someone who is in the world, just giving them the information may not be effective. 
Just like if someone has gotten used to sitting in the rain. Every time it rains, they're out there sitting in the yard in the middle of a rainstorm. And you open the door and say, if you sit in the rain, you're going to get wet. I promise you, they already know that. That's not the problem. If you would come inside, you wouldn't get wet. I promise you, they already know that too. It's not very smart to sit out in the rain and get soaking wet and catch a cold. They already know that too. So what's the problem? It's not information. You can instruct them all day long. They don't want to. And so therefore, they have to want to no longer be wet. They have to want to be in a dry place. They have to want to change their location. The only source of that change is Christ. So that word in Matthew uh, 28, 18, is you teach them in such a way. Now, first of all, disclaimer, if I'm standing here and you're thinking, wow, he knows how to do that. We need, no. No. Not even close. I know it's supposed to be done. I've seen it work. But it's, it's a challenge. To, to reach someone on a level that they see the Christ you see. It takes a little while. That's why I've begun using Acts 8 as my study material to study with people. Because if they learn everything the Ethiopian did about Christ, then they'll do the same thing he did. Uh, but that takes a while. And I found myself before making a mistake. You know what I try to do? You know, you can't keep people's attention a long time. So I try to get everything about Jesus in 30 minutes so they'll want to be baptized. Be careful, Hodgson, because you know what you're doing? You're, you're overloading their senses and they'll... You have to trust God to do God's part. What, God, what did Paul say? Uh, I watered, I mean, I planted, Paulus watered, and God gave the increase. Okay. Um, I forgot to set my timer, so I'll keep looking at my watch. Um, okay, let's go back, and I want to ask you a question. Tell me what you think. Tell me what are some things that might be involved. Now, okay, this is going to be a difficult question. This is a dig a little deeper question. What are some things that you think could be involved in actually... Discussing with someone the gospel, teaching someone the gospel so that they want to become a disciple of Christ. That they want to give up themselves, give up the world and have that connection to the teacher and his teachings and his way of life. Some practical thoughts. That's true. Uh, so, okay. There is something built into what Marilyn just said. 
before I can teach someone with the depth of that particular verse and that particular verb so that they want to become a disciple of Christ, I must what? What? A study, but prior, yes. Okay, how do, how do I want to say this? I have to study. Have you ever studied something that you really did not have a heartfelt desire to learn? Okay. See, how well did you do? I'm not talking about on the test. I'm one of those freaks of nature. I love standardized tests. I could take ACT tests for fun. Yeah, I, I know. I have no social life. That's what my students tell me. Uh, I get it, you know, but I can't help it. What'd you get out of that? That's, I saw. That's perfect. Mm-mm, not much. So before you start the study part, you have to be a true disciple. You have to have spent some time making that real because when you teach someone about something that you're already living as best you know how to live, it makes a difference. It makes a difference. I've had, uh, I've known teachers that could teach really well. And then I've known teachers who wanted me to learn so badly that I didn't really care how well they taught. Because they felt it and it came out in what they were trying to explain to me. That's a little bit of what that word is about. Teaching someone in a way they want to become what you already are. That's evangelism. Um, what must, well, no. We're not quite ready for this, but I want to go ahead, uh, and we may quit a little early tonight. Tell me what personal means to you. No, let me back up. Time out. Let's don't do that. What mistakes do we often make in our, we'll probably address this formally too at some point, but what are some mistakes that we sometimes make in our approach to teaching other people about the gospel, in our approach to evangelism? Ooh, we make it about ourselves. How do we do that? I, I totally agree with that statement. What, what, do you, what do you mean? How do we do that? About being right. Well, now wait, if we're, now you do realize I'm not arguing with what you said. Uh, that's just the way I, I'm bouncing off of what you said. Now, if I'm reading this, I am right. Doesn't matter what you say, I'm right. Did you hear what I just said? Did you hear what I just said? It's not about me. My being right is irrelevant. In fact, my being right could get me in a lot of trouble and cost somebody their soul. It's not about me being right. Okay, what else? We Sometimes we do that. How do we do that, maybe? How do we do that? Ah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. 
Absolutely. Have you ever considered... Now, don't ask me to explain uh, or even to tell you what I think because I won't. But have you ever considered the fact that the Apostle Paul, when he was Saul, that... Have you ever had the thought, don't, don't nod your head if you have, but I wonder if, if we've ever had the thought, you know, if God had converted Saul sooner, Stephen might still be alive. And imagine the good he could have done. And then those Christians wouldn't have, God, why did you... Stop. Because that's in a master plan that is far beyond anything that I can comprehend. And I promise you, Stephen is fine. And I promise you that God had, has everything in control, in hand, and had it in hand, and has it in hand, and will still have it in hand. And I have to be willing to trust that. But sometimes you're right, and we, we get so caught up in the urgency. We get so caught up in, but think about Saul. How long did it take before God brought Saul face to face with the truth? Some time passed. Some things had to be in place. There had to be an Ananias. There had to be a church already established. At least that's how I understand it. So there are times when air teaching may appear to simply be falling on deaf ears or falling nowhere. But when in fact God is using it to soften ground that won't be broken till long after you and I are gone. That's hard for us to wrap our heads around. They're not even remotely. And sometimes we come across judgmental. You know, now, what do you mean by that? That's very possible. Absolutely. That's, that's a good point. And it's easy sometimes in our, I guess it's tunnel vision maybe that we have. But, and then we'll stop with this though. I, I want you to, would you be surprised that I actually witnessed this? This is not a preacher story. Well, I guess it is since I'm a preacher. But I saw this happen with my own eyes. I was on a campaign. Uh, it was when I was uh, a student at Memphis. And we went on a campaign and we were uh, young, dumb and dumber uh but we were doing the best we could and the guy i was with we were out knocking doors setting up bible studies doing those things and i didn't respond to it jeremy because i didn't know what to say but oh okay uh this fellow uh came out of his house and this partner of mine walked up to him and said i'm so-and-so where's so-and-so and this guy said natural conversation i well i'm a member at isn't that what you'd say People come to your house and invite you to another religious group. Do you say, well, I'm a member at the Boone. Have you ever done that? Well, that's what he said. I'm a member of, and he told the place. And that guy said, you are. Well, you're going to go to hell if you don't change that. 
had met the man 13 seconds earlier. And that was his first response. We set up a Bible study. No, we didn't. <laughs> we didn't. Uh, you could hear that door slam all the way on the other side of the globe. We have to be very careful that we don't come across that way. Uh, because you have to allow someone the leeway to come into contact. And I love what in Acts 8, he began at the same scripture and preached Jesus to him. He started where he was. And there are some folks who are not ready to hear some of the things that they're going to need to hear. They've got to hear some other things first so that they understand why they're hearing what they're hearing later. God takes care of that. But the bottom line is, and the point of this particular lesson, is that when you think about evangelism, I want you to think about it from a perspective that we're not just giving information. Hope you'll believe it. But we are addressing people. We're interacting with people in a way. Let me show you the Savior that I serve so that you want to be that too. You want to be His servant too. So, Lord willing, next week we'll talk about the word personal, and then we'll dig a little deeper. Thank you so much for being here. If you are a parent, would you please go and retrieve your uh, young ones? No, you cannot leave them. No. Uh, I just had a parent, y'all. Just say, I never mind. No, you can't do that. Uh, but I will say this. When I preached at Winnesota, y'all may not know where that's at, on the other side of Corinth. I preached there. Uh, the office was down here. Uh, and I usually locked up because I lived in the uh, house adjoining the property. And so I went and put some stuff up. Lights were all off. And I, I said, I heard snoring. The building, there's nobody in the building. I said, wait a minute. So I came in, and there was a child on the third seat, sound asleep. And the building is dark. I said, they've left this child. And about that time, you heard wheels on gravel. You know, and they threw that back door open. I said, uh... Did you lose something? Yeah. So, Grandma thought Mama, and Mama thought Grandma, you know, and said, oh, he's right here, right where you left him. Okay, y'all have a great night.